Hi, welcome to the NAS Spinning Podcast with me, Phil Aston. And on this episode, I'm absolutely delighted to have with me Jeff Downs and Chris Bride from the da- from the Downs Bride Association, DBA for short. Now, I know many of NAS Spinning Magazine um, viewers know Jeff very much from the Buggles, Yes, and Asia. And Chris Bride, you've worked with lots of different various people from Beyonce and Britney Spears and Hans Zimmer, lots of different people. And I've been playing the new album literally for the last few days nonstop. And this is album number five, isn't it? If I've got that sure. right. Yeah. And you're such varied people in the where your backgrounds are from. Uh how did you how did you come together or start want to work with each other in the beginning? Well we, we met I'll, I'll start the ball rolling with this one. Yeah. We met, actually, um, Chris was involved with Trevor on, on a project called The Producers. Yeah. And um, we were doing some shows around that time, and, uh, and uh, I think Chris was just about to move to the States at that point. And, uh, and I met Chris for the first time, and, and Chris said, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Buggles, and, and I'd like to do some, some writing with you. And I said, well, you know. Let's let's get cracking. So it was really, um, a, you know, a simple thing like that. I think that's going back to about 2011, something like that. So um, uh, beginning of or, or the end of 2010. So it was um, it was a great uh, a great meeting and a chance meeting, and um, and and we we sort of carried on from that point. I mean, because one of the things I love about this is it almost feels as if now is the time for these kind of collaborations to to feel so much more natural. I was saying to Chris before we went, went live that in the 80s and 70s, there were people into rock or progressive rock, and there were people over here into pop or or funk or soul, and they all lived in their little silos. And even festivals back in those days were for everybody. One genre was put on stage. No one mixed them up. Whereas now, maybe because of the world of streaming and stuff, that and how young people discover music, it just feels natural now that you, both of you, from two different worlds, have come together are together making this music that just sounds completely non-tribal and non-silo, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're all from an eclectic sort of mix i think you know uh, as jeff said i was involved with the producers and obviously you know trevor was involved with a lot of great pop music and i was involved with pop music as well but there seems to be a thread running through everything that we do and that it's you know real musicianship and and you know sort of i I suppose slightly wide screen if you like music that we all kind of like so it was more related than than you'd think in, in yeah. fact, yeah, and I think pop, you know, pop music, th- there wasn't really so much that division. I mean, you'd, you'd see, you know, Jess wrote Soul and Abba in the charts, you know, back in, yeah, um, that's, that's true, yeah. you know, uh, and 10cc and, and ELO, and you know, there, there was a lot of crossing over between what people now term as progressive music. Um, you know, 10cc were a really progressive band, but they were a very pop band as well, you know, so I think okay. the. The, the the way that both Chris and I have, have you know nurtured our careers is not really that there is there is a lot of common ground as well and certainly through obviously meeting with Trevor you know my relationship with Trevor and pop music and everything like that the the, the there's not really a, a massive dividing line that some people might think looking in from the outside yeah 
Well, the new album, album number five, Celestial Songs, um, is almost like a celebration of the human condition of life itself. All the songs, the way it's sequenced, is is a really positive album for for those of you watching. If you don't, if you're watching the news too much, <laughs> you, you need to get you need to listen to this album because it will just take you somewhere far far nicer. It opens with uh, is it Barney Ashton who does the vocal um, voice introductions on "Look What You Do," and this is a wonderful gentle opening to the album. Um, and Chris, you mentioned the lyric, give me time. That's all I want. Cause nobody knows. Um, what, what was the kind of, how did this song come together? You know, it's funny. The vocal on that is really, um, a rough one take vocal. It's wow. one of those you know, where you have a, a, you get on the mic and you just sing stuff. Sometimes that that's what I do with, with artists I'm working with. Also, I just get on the mic and just sing, you know, whatever yeah. sort of rough idea of what it is or a chord progression. And so I did that with with the thing with that piece of music I was working on, and and then I thought, well, I'll go back and I'll make it make sense. But when I listened back, it was all making sense. You know, it was one of those things. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen a lot, but no, no. You know, sometimes it does. It just the music kind of dictates, and I don't know what it is. Some kind of maybe it's like divine intervention or something. But it said that line, and I thought, well, that's it. I don't want to rewrite that. It's kind of everything. It makes a lot of sense to me. You know, with with you know life and love and all the other stuff yeah it's just it's just so it's just so positive um as an opening song and it kind of draws you in um to the next one clear light um which is another beautiful song and this song is about how the your ego can blind you to the beauty of life um and also features a fantastic guitar solo by is it dave bainbridge on guitar Uh, yeah yeah. Uh stunning well, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, there's lots of moments on that when he, on this album when he plays really, really well. One of my favourite tracks is track number three, which is uh, which is one of your singles, wasn't it? Which is "Keep on Moving." Yeah. Um I love the video to this. It kind of reminds me of, for me personally, of growing up in the seventies and eighties, and you know, being on holiday and coming home from school and it's snowing outside and stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Is it was that the kind of visuals you had in your mind uh, when you p- pulled the song together? I don't know, really. I suppose you know, th- there's a tendency with when Jeff and I write, there's something nostalgic about it. But I always thought that you know what I loved about Jeff's chord progression sometimes was they had a nostalgia about them. And Jeff and I've talked about this. You know, the intro of "Video Kill the Radio Star" is very sort of noble, and you would say Jeff like no- almost northern kind of you know brass yeah. band or something and so w- when we write it has that and maybe because we're two northerners or something it, it's got that thing so well, we're, I both, we're that, both from cheshire so that might have something to do with it might be in the water in cheshire or something like that i don't know yeah, yeah something about it and and so I, I i always just end up writing lyrically about i mean the older you get the further you've got to look back let's face it so that's true it seems like, you know it just but, you're, but you're looking back in a in a positive way, as they say, you'll keep on moving. You're not kind of looking back, wishing you'd stayed there or anything. It's it's not. It hasn't got that kind of melancholy edge that you might expect from a song that looks back um, in in time. In a way, there is a melancholy edge though, because it's sort of an, an apology to to everything that you leave behind when you keep on moving. You know, and that's, that's never, true. Inevitably happens, but you've got yeah. to keep on moving. Otherwise, you 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 know you you're, you're stuck. 
but musically it's it, it kind of put, keeps it keeps everything on an on a upward keel in a way i love the keyboard solo after about the, the four minute mark that comes in and then again there's another stunning solo from from dave to a yeah. guitar solo towards the end as well isn't there Oh yeah, he's, he's like he's our secret weapon. I mean, he yeah. elevates the songs so so much. It's just brilliant. Yeah, I mean the thing is when we when we first started out with DBA, we were very much focused on being uh, you know the duo, um, uh, which you know which sort of is a similar as opposed to you know when I was with Trevor and the Buggles and, and and you know we had that sort of understanding together. So I think that. Um, that was the idea when we first set out, but I think as time, you know, when we got onto the second and third albums, uh, we, we were thinking, well, we should maybe open this up a bit more, you know, and actually, you know, have a, a, a proper rhythm section, you know, that was not, we weren't just playing around with drum machines and that sort of thing. So I think that um, it's been a real, a real help to us to, uh, and progression for us to have, you know, a lot of people coming in. Well, you know, a lot, a lot of people. I mean, we've had the same same rhythm section pretty much all the way through. So um, I think I think it's great because it, it, it adds another dimension to the music. And I think that that's something that Chris and I really want to do is to expand the music, not just not just have it as a couple of guys messing around, with a, you know, with a few demos. You know, we wanted to make it uh, something more substantial. I think the the whole album is almost like cinematic in its kind of structure and how the the kind of visuals it kind of the music gave me personally, and I'm sure it will give many people similar things. The next track, the darker side of fame, it is a more serious song, and I think it's a very important song because, especially with how musicians now take more care of their mental health and a more that they're. they're the deeper awareness on these things, and especially go back into the seventies when bands were forced to make, well, not forced, I suppose, made two albums a year, then toured. And so instead of touring an album that came out and then two years later doing another one, it was just nonstop, wasn't it? And I think, yeah. I think is that, it was that the kind of thing you were, you were trying to get across with, with, with this? It does resonate a lot with me actually, because, you know, I think that, um, you know, a lot of musicians from my era that have been up there and been successful and done all these things. Uh, you know, there are always those sides of things where where it doesn't go so well. You know, and you end up. Um, you know, there is another side to the music business. The music business is actually, you know, it, it has a very cruel side to it in, in, in terms of the fact that you know you're there one minute and you're not the next. You know, and I think that that um, that is one of the elements of the song is that. Um, you know, there, there is that other side of the whole coin where, you know, you can be top of the charts and flying and doing all the rest of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a reality sets in and, um, you know, things things don't go, things go the opposite direction. And, uh, you know, I've been there myself. I've experienced that sort of thing myself. So uh, it's uh, it's a very interesting song from my standpoint. Yeah, and yeah, is, I, is it, I met. Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, I met Michael Hutchins before he died. You know, about six months before he died, and um, I spent sort of, you know, a whole afternoon with him, just playing music and stuff in France, and that affected me really deeply actually when he died because it was he seemed like someone that would never die if you know what I mean, mm. and that's and, and that's the thing that shocks me. And all of us, really, when someone's larger than life, I mean, we just lost Sinead O'Connor. You know, these people are kind of like bright lights that burn very brightly for a very brief time, you know. And and Michael Hutchins actually said in one of the final interviews, you know, we all 
have our wilderness periods, whether it's drugs, alcohol, lack of fame or whatever, you know. Mm. And it is just that thing that it's stark, you know, like Jeff says, you could be number one one minute and then, you know, sweeping up the next. Well, that's right. Cause, uh, well, yeah, because yeah, a, a lot of bands in the 70s might have been given, say, a, a weekly wage, um, which might have been quite high at the time, and they probably thought that was really good. But behind the scenes, they weren't probably getting the royalties, and then yeah. uh, something happens, and then the next thing they're back to their, their day job. And even yeah. t- in the modern times, um, you can have a band say, well, people might ask you, when are you going to play live or whatever? But it's not sometimes the amount of money that's required to to do all of this um it's it's a lot of people who are fans of music of musicians don't understand sometimes the complexities behind that you know the, the look face at the, uh, the you know look at something like the cruel rejection factor of something like the the x factor you know where people are giving this this little window of opportunity and then yeah and it's gone you know the next the next minute they're they're, they're completely irrelevant you know and i think that that, in a way, is a, is, a, is a sad indictment of the way things have, have gone, you know, in terms of the fact that, you know, people only really want, they want to grasp that bit of fame rather than actually say, well, you know, I want to make a career out of this. I want to play, you know, I want to learn how to make great music. I want to do this, that, and the other. You know, very often it's this, you know, the modern day uh, aspect is people just want that glimpse of whether it be, Two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, you know, they just want to be there for that for a second. And I think that it's a shame because, you know, music, you know, when when I was getting into music, people really wanted to learn their trade. They wanted to get better, you know, they wanted to make themselves uh, musicians. unique and, and do unique things. And and I think that that aspect is is, is dimmed quite a lot in recent years, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true, actually. I think, you know, uh, it, it, it seems like, we all wanted to know one another. You know, you wanted to sort of impress your peers or or your idols, you know. Yeah. That was what we all wanted. You know, you'd be in a garage somewhere rehearsing going, this is great, you know, one day, you know. And yeah. it's kind of, that was the dream. But the X Factor thing is just a whole other, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if you'd ever find a David Bowie or an Elton John on X Factor yeah. because it's just all about one aspect. It's very one-dimensional. It is about... Uh, you know, the, the thrill, the thrill of being in a recording studio, you know, in, in the old days, you've been in the recording mm. studio, and, wow. you, you know, you've done something very creative, and you come out of the, at the end of the night, you've got, you know, your cassette or your CD <laughs> in the car, you know, on the way on the way home and, and stuff like that. You think, well, you know, this is great. You're on a real high because, you know, you've created something great. And, and I think that... That unfortunately, you know, the, the the people today who are on things like the Exodus, they're not going to get that buzz. You know, they're they're getting this little buzz for being on telly for you know for five minutes and that's it. And uh, I, I feel you know I feel sad for them because they won't have experienced what you know we've experienced. Absolutely, very very true. There's nothing like the magic of just a few friends in a garage somewhere literally playing music and it starts to just happen as the ideas kind of float to the surface. The mm. next track, Hey Kid, is very serious. Uh, it's just piano and vocal, isn't it? Um, and about guns and stuff. And this has got, it's quite a short song, but it's got a serious message, but it's done in a really, really good way. Um, was this an important subject for you to, to cover? As you said, it, you both got children. Yeah, well, I was living in the States for about, the last 10 years and it just seemed the guns were ubiquitous every 
bloody second. There was something about yeah. guns on the news in schools. And I had little kids, you know, they were they were in, you know, elementary school. It was just terrifying. And they'd say, it's rare. You know, and it was, well, I keep seeing it every week. It's not rare enough, you know. And, and I know it's a whole thing. And having lived there for 10 years, I'd get into conversations with, with friends of mine who were, you know, moderate, sort of, you know, intelligent people, you know, and, and they would defend it. And I think I, it's a lost cause. I can't. So I just wouldn't go there. I just wouldn't have a conversation about it anymore because just, uh, yeah, I, I find it, I find them uh, really terrifying. I, I wouldn't even want to pick one up. So, you know, the idea of guns and children, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like your worst nightmare. The next one, um, which is uh, Will to Power. Um, I love this one. This is, I put this one down as my second favorite track from the album. Um, I love the kind of, I guess it's a keyboard bass driven riff at the start, but it's really, it's, I love it. Absolutely love it. Bass, this is a, it's a bass line, actually. Yeah, bass line, the bass yeah. line. It's just, it's just, I just do absolutely love it. And this is another lyric about finding light in your darkest hour. So it's another kind of, it feels like a theme within the songs about this looking, you know, coming out of the darkness into light. There's like a thread going through the songs um, like this. And again, it's got a great guitar solo and a hypnotic kind of riff sit, sitting behind the that solo as well. So tell, tell me a little bit about this song, because as I say, it's one of my faves. Yeah, well, it's um, it's another one of those where it's the sum of its parts because it starts with that gorgeous intro, which is like a, yeah. you know, it's almost like Bond or something. I, <laughs> I, I see the, you know, that the ski slope, you know, and or the parachute, you know, and it starts with that. But then the bass line that you mentioned, I've yes. got to say, you know, Andy Hodge is really great bass player. And he's very unassuming. And he did that line right at the end. Really? Because he was maybe bored with playing around the same thing. <laughs> and he did that and I thought, my God, that's absolutely fantastic. It is. I just put it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, one of those things that's born out of all of us together. Very creative kind of, you know, piece by piece to just chip away. And, and those, yeah. are the kind of thing, those are the kind of things that, um, you know, when we're talking about getting personnel on board, those are the kind of things that you can't predict, you know. And I no, think that no. Both Chris and I, you know, we take our hats off to people that can, you know, around us that can come up with stuff like that. And, and it takes, you know, it takes in a whole different direction. And I think, you know, Andy has been fantastic for us. He, he really, he really gets, because I, I, I'm crazy about strange inversions of chords and that sort of thing, as Chris knows. Um, but he always gets the right bass note in there. You know, he's always very conscious of, of the music side of it, that he's not going to play, you know, the wrong bass okay. note against the intended chord, you know, and I think yeah. that that's, that's really is a, you know, a very intuitive thing. We're very lucky to have him on board because he's really good at, the, uh, you know, at identifying that sort of stuff. Yeah. Look, the, the whole song is that like kind of hypnotic guitar riff that kind of, it's quite dominant throughout the, the latter part of the song as well, uh, where Dave solos over it. It's just amazing. Be great live, yeah. I imagine. Great driving song. Yeah. The next one uh, I put down as my third favourite. I, 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 I suppose I could just say the whole thing is, but I, I've tried to be selective. Heart-shaped hole, which is nearly not well, nine minutes long. And this this has got a melancholy aspect to it because it's about, it could be an ageing musician or actor who's, still chasing the lights um and we don't get a hint from the song whether the, there's less people in the audience than there were but there's just a drive to continue to do that i absolutely love the the lyric and the story behind that and the the, the music as well is just 
sublime that goes with it. What was um, who came up with the idea for this one? I mean, lyrically, it's sort of about you know searching for things that uh, you know are, are sort of hollow, you know, false gods or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it could. I always picture like the sort of light entertainer in Blackpool or something, you know, sat in the dressing room, and the kids are like, you know, three hundred miles up the motorway, and it's just like yeah. just one more show, you know. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of tragic in a way. But there are so many people like that, that just, you know, sort of, you know, the fame ebbing away or whatever. And, you know, it's and it's it's not fulfilling. It, it doesn't it, it doesn't work. You know, it's anti-spiritual in a way. The pursuit of, of fame at any cost, you know, it's yeah. related to dark side of fame in a way. Yeah, and I think that, um, funny enough, that, that was an area that we, we touched on with the Buggles, um, with a song like Elstree, you know, it was the mm. guy that used to work for the BBC and then and always in the, he was in B-movies and then he worked for the BBC. So there's that, uh, and even, you know, even Video Kill the Radio Star was really about a guy, you know, who was on, who was on the radio and, uh, you know, effectively... His, or he was in the, the silent films, and his you know his voice didn't work with the film, so he was no longer a film star. So yeah. these these are the sort of tragic little areas of how technology, in a way, has changed people's um, perception of, uh, uh, of of you know how someone will fit in. You know, since some people sound great on the radio, but they don't make it on on TV, you know, for whatever reason. So. Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting song, I think, um, And a lovely guitar solo and a great instrumental section towards the end as, as well. What I love about the guitar parts are, is how, how the melodies fit in with the, the actual lyrical meaning and the music itself. You know, it really, it really fits in almost as if the guitar solos are an extra voice within the palette of the song. Yeah, he's a very intuitive player. You know, he's, I mean, he, because he makes that, um, fantastic middle section that Jeff wrote uh, work and not get boring because he keeps sort of changing emotion, you know, every, yeah, every yeah, part yeah. of it. And yeah. it's fantastic. And yeah, I think he, he really gets it. He really gets it. And ironically, um, I was at, uh, we was at the same music college in Leeds together. So uh, uh, he was a few years behind me. So um, we had the same... We had the same piano teacher. We had this. Um, he obviously, you know, played guitar as well, brilliantly. Um, so uh, there's these funny little connections, and I think that's one of the reasons why he sort of gets it. You know, he gets what we're about, and, uh, and Dave really loves playing on the stuff. I know that he's genuine about that. Which is oh, great, you can, you know? yeah, you can t- tell. And the next track, Dear Petra, which is obviously the neg- almost aimed directly at the ne- negativity of news, especially at the moment, you know, with all the the wars and stuff, etc. And yeah. again, it's like p- mainly stripped down music, isn't it? Piano and vocal, but it it really kind of pulls across to me the power of how music can heal how it can take you away from the negativity of what's out there. Yeah. I mean, Jeff sent me that piano piece, and I just thought it was so beautiful. It, uh, it just fell out. It's just one of those songs that fell out. But it was originally written about something I'd seen about, uh, you know, not to go into great detail, but a sort of, you know, a, a, a child abuse thing that I'd seen, which was just, you know, seems so omnipresent you know, at the moment. It's just exhausting to watch, you know. But then yeah. when all this shit in Ukraine unfolded, I just thought, well, it's got to be rewritten now and it's got to be a broader, broader. message. Yeah, broader message. Yeah. And it's, it's, it just sickens us all because we're just part, we're just, we're just observers. There's nothing we can do. 
And it's all, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but, you know, it's all been stoked by the political elite and it's just exhausting to watch. And I'm sure it could all be sorted out with a couple of phone calls. (laughs) They don't want that, it seems, you know. Yeah. And the casualties are the kids, you know. Or or literally um, simplicity, or sitting down and listening to this album with a couple of beers in the same room. I'm I'm sure that would... (laughs) I'm sure, that yeah. would sort it. Um, but the next That's one on, <laughs> on the run. Um, you, you mentioned in your notes it's a, got a drum beat reminiscent of running up that hill, and I suppose it has a little bit. But again, this is another song about coming out of the darkness into the light, isn't it? About um, getting rid of your demons and getting yeah. rid of stuff that's not good. So again, it's the way I when I listen to the whole album, it's another part where this theme bubbles to the surface. Um, were you aware of how the, the songs were kind of like bolting themselves to each other with this kind of story? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And yeah. I mean, you know, we once did a photo session at a hotel in Sussex and there was a, a chapel there with stained glass windows. And I remember Jeff turning around to me and saying, this is perfect for our music. Because, <laughs> a, you know, there's a spiritual you yeah. know, yearning, I think, throughout. And look, it's the human condition. We're either up or we're down. You know, and and it's a way of getting to grips with or the the equilibrium, which is not always easy to find. So yeah, yeah the songs they are related, unknowingly, really. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And the next one, uh, goodbye to you, sister shame. This is with Andy Partridge. Um, and what what's the what's the what's this one actually about? This is is this a similar thing about looking back at life or looking at the where you are in yourself? Well, it's about um, it's about trying to find love before you die. You know, really yeah. about that. Yeah, that's, we pretty, search and we that's search. pretty important. Yeah, and and again, at five. I put down in my notes five minutes sixteen seconds in. Um, it's it's actually the stunning the, the guitar solo again. Um, to mention Dave, but it's he really lets rip at the end of this one, where he's he's kind of restrained himself and stuck to the melody lines and. Other other songs that this one he just kind of lets go of the rail and just goes through it at the end. Fantastic stuff. It really is. I mean, he got the whole wings kind of um, you know pastiche, yeah, kind of thing. So he he sort of went for that. What was Wings guitarist called? Hugh. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, um, I remember that that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I know the, what you mean. Stadium, sort of. You know, nineteen seventy six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he really got, it. and there's a great Hammond at the end that Jeff plays as well, and it, it, it's one of those things where it's, it just kind of, you know, it kind of it it, it, it the sort of um, the the strings of the the balloon yeah. are cut free, you know. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got it has got it has got that feeling. You've mentioned uh, a couple of times that the album has almost got a spiritual feel, and I would say that it has because that it, it does feel like playing this all the way through. And I think for anyone watching this later on or listening to it, it's so important to listen to albums all the way through because otherwise you don't, you miss out on the story or the overall feel that the creators of the music. Well, we're are, very conscious about saying. that. Yeah, we're very conscious about that because Chris and I are both big, we're big vinyl heads. And I think that, you know, the beauty of vinyl is that, you know, rather than just bopping around with this, this status, you actually do sit down and listen to it. And a lot of the albums that I've been involved with, uh, and, and, and probably Chris as well, is that, you know, you really want to just sit down and experience it and not 
not cherry pick each track and jump around because a lot of these albums were made as albums and yeah. I think that we're, we're very conscious about making it still doing that you know making an album as an album which is why you know we make it readily available on vinyl uh, uh, and and the actual running order is very important to us, and I think that 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 is something it, you know it's it's old school thinking, but at the same time it's 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 uh, it's the right I think it's the right way to, to uh, treat the, the the song. Well, it is. It's like looking at a, a famous painting where you've, where three quarters of it have been covered up, and you can only see a quarter of it, um, and you think, well, that looks really nice. It's like listening to one track off an album. You don't get the whole story, no. and which brings us to the last one which is Beyond the Stars. And this is another one where Barney Ashton does his narration because that's what Barney's input feels like. It's like a storyteller just dropping in every so often to to tie it all together. And this is the epic song, uh, over 10 minutes long. And, and this could have easily had a very melancholy feel to it because it is about the fact that everything must pass and everything moves on. Um, mm. But this is a game where I feel it's got such a positive healing almost spiritual feel to the whole album um it is you know it is like an experience listening to this record i mean how do you both feel about this song and the the whole the whole piece of work that you're about to unleash on the world well, i think the, the, you know the, the, the final track on, a, on any album is always going to be quite it's quite an important position you know in, in terms of because that's your that's your sort of final memory once you've Listen to the whole thing, and so uh, you know. I, th- I think it's um, it's a, it's a very epic track. I think it's uh, it's it's got a lot of finality to it, and I think that, that that's one thing we wanted to get across with it, which is why it's positioned where it is. It is. Yeah, but it, could be, it could never be track two, could it? No, <laughs> no definitely. <laughs> this is the end. You know, when we're working on it. Oh, that's yeah. the end. But it's no, another they... one of those things where you know sometimes. You look at uh, maybe, um, you know, people that aren't into, uh, you know, this kind of music might look at something that's 11 minutes long and think, oh, you know, self-indulgence again. They're at it again. But it's not over long. It absolutely works. You know, and that's, I think, when things sometimes, you know, um, I don't know, if, if a song wants to be seven minutes long, but it all works emotionally and it takes you there on that journey, then it's right to be seven minutes long. I think, you know. I think the lyrics have to have room to breathe so that, and, and that's what I think that, yeah, there are some songs. And I think because I've been around a long time, like a lot of people have into this, into progressive rock or any kind of music, you you can look, you start to second guess. I know where this is going to go. I know that after the second verse, we're going to go into a chorus and there may be a solo, but on mm-hmm. on this particular song, you don't even, I don't even think about that because you say that the, uh, there's a line of a lyric and then you almost need the, the lyric to breathe so that the music comes up behind it and takes it somewhere else. And I didn't even notice it was 10 minutes long. I mean, yeah. at the end, you know, if this on the vinyl, this will be like something at the end of side four and you go, whoa. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like Tales from Topographic Oceans or something like that. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'll go and have a cup of tea before you put it on again. You know, it's... it's <laughs> No, no, it's really, it's really, really good. So, when does the when does the album comes? When's the actual release date for it? It's the uh, September the eighth. September the eighth. Yeah, and it's available in several formats, isn't it? CD, vinyl, and the box set is. I've got to say, is a beautiful thing to behold. 
I've got my copy and it's, you know, it's very nice. So, well, look at the artwork. Uh, we've got to mention the artwork. It just fits, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just it really absolutely. is. I mean, well, you know, I've seen all of Roger's sleeves and you think, well, he's never going to top that. He just keeps doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, I, do you uh, do you have any kind of plans once the album's out to do any live gigs or anything? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, the live thing is always, it's like the sort of elephant in the room, you know, in, yeah. in some ways for DBA, because obviously Jeff and I are busy with lots of other things, and, and yes, are a, are a hugely busy touring machine, you know, so we just wait for our 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 time in the in the in the you know in the limelight so to speak and then it will happen you know it's just a case of when and and how we do it because as you say it's it's you know to do it properly is you know is a a big undertaking well the the album sounds so spectacular and so well put together and that it sounds just so well produced that yeah you're right you to create that life you've got to have all everything do it right yeah and it would be interesting, actually, how you could play, how you could play any of the tracks without them all being together. It just feels like the kind of thing that you would sit down and hear the whole thing. Again, the whole aspect of this is one of those albums that feels like it should be heard in its entirety, in that order. Yeah, apart, from, apart from getting up every so often to turn the vinyl copy over, if that's the one you've got. <laughs> no, I do. I do agree. I think, and I like. Obviously, yes, I've done that with the album series, and Sparks did it uh, brilliantly. And I do like that idea. So, uh, as um, these albums become not our albums, but you know, classic albums become, you know, so special. You know, the idea of just performing them in their entireties is, is becoming more and more appealing to me. Yeah, fan. I do. Well, I, I I think this album has has those traits to be able to do that because I think it's a personal album and whether it's uh, where I am in my life and I'm sure lots of people are the same, but as I listened to it and went through the lyrics at the same time, it really, I felt really connected to the songs and the spirit of what it was about. And it right. it, it just, it, it left a really positive feeling within me. Um, so I think it's what you've created is just perfect for these dark times. That's That's how I feel about it. I think it's I absolutely think so. wonderful, Thank wonderful you. record. Um, so I can't Thank wait you. to get hold of my copy and do a proper review on it. So I, I think it's fantastic. So the best place for people to buy it from is all the normal outlets, or is there anywhere specific you'd like people to go? I think all the normal outlets, Jeff, yeah. don't you think? It's yeah. widely yeah. available. Okay. And the best place for people to find out about uh, all your news and stuff, is do you, is it your own website or...? Well, we've, there's, a, there's a DBA website and there's also our individual website. So, uh, and they're all interlinked, aren't they? If I remember, but I'll yeah. put the links in the in the bottom of the show and on the website as well. Well, thank you both. Um, thank you, um, Jeff and and Chris, for your time this afternoon. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Um, so I wish you all luck with the album when it comes out. And everybody watching this and listening, make sure you go and buy a physical copy. And uh, box set sounds like the way to go. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Cheers, so t- take care and hope uh, right. I'll talk to you again in the future. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Right, so thank you for watching and a big thank you to my guests, Jeff Downs and Chris Braid from the Downs Braid Association. Make sure you check out the website, which is down below this screen now and also on the website and on the YouTube channel. The album Celestial Songs is out on September the 8th. And as you saw during the interview, as I talked and we talked about the tracks, it is absolutely a wonderful piece of music that deserves to be listened to from the beginning to the end this is one of those albums where every single track segues so perfectly into the next one it's a really positive album lyrically musically it's just wonderful and i think it's the best one they've done so far so thank you for watching and listening make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel the website become a patron if you can a youtube member and remember music is the healer and the doctor keep spinning those discs and i shall see you on my next episode.